Today we're beginning our new sermon series on Blueprint. Uh, you have a purpose and God has the plans. Uh, today, um, it was we engage in this sermon and what God has in store for us. Uh, we're excited about the avenues and the angles that he's going to take us through. Today, if you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. Jeremiah 29 and 11. Probably before you turn there, you know this verse, but I want you to go ahead and turn to that passage. It's probably, it's not one of the most misquoted verses, it's one of the most misinterpreted verses in the whole Bible. Everybody loves to quote this verse because it's a good verse. It gives you warm, fuzzy feelings. And uh, man, as we get into this this morning in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, God says, I know the plans that I have for you to give you a hope and to give you a future. Now, that's a great verse. But if you don't understand why he said that, it really begins to complicate things for you. And today I want us to look at this passage of Scripture because it deals with vision and the plan that God has for us. Every project, every project, I'm going to say it again, every single project begins with a vision. It's the unseen, the invisible becoming visible. That's what vision is. A lot of people can build things. A lot of people can take things and bring them into existence with a set of blueprints. But very few people have the vision. Architects are pretty visionary people, but it starts with a vision. Somebody has a vision. Because they have a vision, they hire an architect. And they say, here's the vision of what I want to build. One of my, one of the most, my most favorite pictures in all the world illustrates this. I don't know if you've studied much on Walt Disney and what he's done in his life, but this picture right here illustrates so much about what vision is. It's seeing the invisible that is visible. It's seeing the invisible that is visible. It's like it, you see it just like it's right there. And uh, man, when we see that picture of Walt Disney walking on those muddy, swampy shores of of Orlando before it was anything. It was seeing something that was invisible as though it was visible. And there in the background, he had a vision of Cinderella's castle that everything else would revolve around. And when we connect those dots, God has a vision for each and every, excuse me, every one of us. So when we think about this, here's what God says. I know the plans that I have for you. While I agree that there is where there is no vision, people perish. But one must also realize that where there is no planning to fulfill a vision, the vision cannot be fulfilled. Where there is no vision, people perish is what the Bible says. They cast off restraint. But I'm telling you today that if there is no plan to fulfill the vision, it doesn't matter how great the vision is. Because a man has a vision, he hires an architect. The architect comes back with the drawings and he says, here's how you need to build it. He sizes it up, he lays it out, and he puts it in the place where it needs to be. What I want you to understand today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is that God has a vision for you. God has a plan for you. 
And many times the vision can become hijacked by good intentions. By good intentions. You know, when we think about this, it, it derails, it overthrows, and it overrules different things. I wanted Pastor Ralph to go by and take a picture of a house that a committee built. And uh, it's very interesting. Uh, he didn't do it. We didn't think it'd be appropriate. But uh, a committee built a house. It was at a church. They built a house for the preacher. And you ought to see it. It has two front doors going into the same room. Now, not two that interlock together. Stay with me. A door, the other side of the room, a door. Why? Because there was multiple visions for what was going to happen. I want you to understand something today. God has a plan for you. God has a vision for you. The challenge is that there can't be two competing visions. Two competing visions, anything with two heads is a freak. Amen? Amen. Two competing visions goes into the zoo. It goes into the circus. It goes into something of that nature. Now, here's the thing that I want you to understand. Because there is a vision, there's an architect. Did you know you have an architect? It's God. God is your architect. God is our architect. God has the blueprints for your life. I love what the Bible teaches, and I won't spend a lot of time there, but in Isaiah, it says when you were in the matrix of your mother's womb, God was calling out of your name, calling out your name in heaven. While you were still fumbling around trying to figure out what the name of that child was going to be, God was already calling it out in the portal of glory. I love what it says in the book of Psalms, that while you were in your mother's womb, your days were numbered before you were ever exposed. You were already alive, but before you were born into this realm of life, the days of your life was already numbered. You have an architect. God had a blueprint for someone's life. And because he had a blueprint, he created you. He created me. There was a blueprint. God had a blueprint. Guess what? The good news is I fulfill that blueprint. Or do I? Am I living up to what God has for my life? Now, here's the thing that I want you to understand. That God has never not had a plan for you. He has never not had a plan. I'm telling you, you didn't come along and all of a sudden, I mean, there you are. And, and now God's fumbling around and says, oh my goodness, the webs are having a baby. I've got to get a plan. No, God had a plan. Therefore, God brought forth the baby. Now, when you're 41 years old and a baby's coming forth, that's a little hard, hard to preach. Amen. That's a little hard to live out. But I'm telling you that it may catch man by surprise but it did not catch God by surprise, amen? I just keep telling myself that. And so here's what God is saying, is that a project cannot succeed with two competing visions. Let me show this to you. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Proverbs, chapter 16 and verse 9. Proverbs 16 and verse 9. Here's what it says. A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord determines his steps. A man's heart prepares his way, but a man... A man's heart prepares his way, but God determines his steps. Now, I told you that Jeremiah was one of the most misquoted verses or misinterpreted verses in all the Bible. I shared this verse to share with you why it's one of the most mistranslated verses in the Bible. Because man says, here's what I want to do, but God says, here's the plan. I'm going to order your steps that way. I'm going to keep putting events in your life that keeps you having to come back 
to what I created you for. It's going to keep pushing you back. I'm telling you, you cannot run away from what it is that God is wanting to do in your life. You can't run away from the plan of God, the purpose of God, the will of God for your life. You can run, but He's constantly engineering circumstances in your life that keeps you maneuvering back by the purpose that you were created. You may circle back around to it, and then all of a sudden you realize, uh-uh, I don't want that. And so therefore you go back around the other way and guess what? There he is over there. I'm living proof of that. I'm living proof of that, of what God does in one's life. Look with me in the book of Jeremiah. Here's what it says. For I know the plans that I have for you. This is my declaration. I have a plan for your welfare, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, we don't think a whole lot about that first part. But go back and let's see, why did he say that? And why is that so strange? Look at verse 10, if you will. For this is what the Lord says. When 70 years of Babylon are complete, I will attend to you, and you will confirm my promise concerning you and restore you to this place. Look at verse 12, if you will, now. You will call, you will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you stretch forth with all your heart. I will be found. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore all your fortunes. Now, why is that strange? Because God had a plan, but man had a plan. Israel had a plan. Israel's plan did not agree with God's plan. And because Israel was not willing to line up to the reason they existed as a nation, God engineered circumstances they were a whole lot smaller, they were a whole lot milder, and, they, and when they kept running away from it, running away from it, finally he raised up this guy named Nebuchadnezzar. You heard of him, King Nebuchadnezzar? He came in, he overthrew, overran, and overruled the children of Israel. He brought them into Babylon. Now in the middle of captivity, God comes to them, and he says, when 70 years is done, I think you'll be ready to listen. In 70 years, no, I have a bond. I have a, a future for you and not bondage. Now, they're in bondage. They're in a foreign land. People are speaking foreign languages. Everything is foreign. Everything is foreign. Everything is foreign. But God says, in the middle of bondage, I will have a hope for you. I have a plan for you. I have a future for you. The problem is, I have to get away the two competing visions in your life so that you can be the place you were created for. Because I love you so much. I'm not trying to put my will on top of you and overrule your will. But I know why you were created. And until you get to the place which you were created for, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be happy until you're at the thing that God created you for. I'm telling you that when you're at the place God created you, it doesn't matter what's going on around you because you are content in the Lord. And then His will becomes your will. His vision becomes your vision. God never had a plan. To, God has never not had a plan for you. Number two, God has never had the desire to harm you. God's desire is that He's trying to get you to see the purpose that you were created for so that he can bring forth the plan for your life and lay it out on a set of blueprints and say, if you just follow the steps, you can build it. You can be it. 
so many people today, they go through the trouble of getting an architect to draw up the plans, and then they want to start altering it as they're building it. Well, that never works well. Because if you move one thing, it affects something else. If you move one door, it affects the way that it's laid out to the next window and the symmetry of the whole building. And I want you to realize that when you start tinkering with a blueprint, you're headed for trouble. Oh, can you fix it? Yes. The architect says, I can do anything you want as long as you have the money. Oh, yes, you can start tinkering with God's plan for your life, but it's going to cost you a whole lot. And then you're going to realize the great plan was all along. I was watching this show last night. And uh, it, was, it was where they go in and they buy a house and, and they, they want to fix it up. They can't afford the one they want, so they buy one and they fix it up. And, and the guy that has the vision comes in. And he shows them what it's going to look like on a computer. Puts the colors in there, the floor in there, the cabinets in there. And they just loved it. They said, let's do it. In the middle of the project, they walked in, they looked at the flooring in the box, and they said, I don't like that. They saw the paint on the wall, and they said, I don't like that. They saw the countertops. I don't like that. He said, did you hire me? Did you hire me to lay out the vision, or do you want to do it? And so finally they backed off, and at the end of it, they walked in and they said, wow, I never would have dreamed what looking in that box, at that material, that it would look like this. See, the problem is, when we start following the will of God, He puts something in our life that's not the color we like. It's not the style we like. It's not the place we like. It's not the formula that we like. And so instead of being faithful to the plan, we just say, take it all back and I'm going to start over. Take it all back and I'm going to start over. You either have to agree with the architect. You either have to agree with the vision. Or you don't. Or you don't. See, God's just trying to get us to the place where our vision agrees with his vision. Look at this passage of scripture in Psalms 81 and verse 11. God is only trying to get us there. Psalms 81 and verse 11 is a phenomenal verse. But my people did not listen and Israel did not obey me. God said, I know the plans that I have for you. But they didn't listen. Because they didn't listen, they ended up in Babylon. I tell you what, if you look at verses 12 through 14, he says, everybody that I dispersed, I will bring them back. God has been fulfilling that verse so much. Israel went back, they rebuilt the Romans in AD 70, sent them out again, burned Jerusalem down. God's still fulfilling his promise. He's still bringing them back, bringing them back. I was listening to the news the other day when, when that attack happened in France and all the Jews said, that's it, we're going back home. We're going to Israel, we're going to Israel. I thought, wow, they're fulfilling the scripture. In 1867, Mark Twain wrote in his book, Innocence Abroad, it was him, one other guy. And he went to the nation of Israel and he began to tour it. And here's what he wrote. He said, this place is a barren wasteland. There is nothing here except me, the guy with me, and the beast that we're upon. There was no Palestinians there. There was nobody arguing over it then because it was a wasteland. It wasn't until the early 1900s that a, Jew, a group of Jews decided they were going back home. When they went back home in the early 1900s, it was a barren wasteland. It was a swamp that was overwhelming, and the place was run over. 
they chartered a boat and they went to South Africa and they got a bunch of eucalyptus trees. They loaded the, the boat down with eucalyptus trees, went back and planted them all the way around the edge of the marsh. And you see eucalyptus trees use more water than any other tree. And as they planted all those trees around the swampy areas of Israel that was no good, that was barren, that was nobody there, it began to soak it up. And do you know today that science proves that the most fertile land in all the world is under the place that was a swampy mess? Where, the, where they sucked it out with the eucalyptus trees. And since that day, God has been bringing them back, bringing them back, bringing them back. Now that nation, Israel of nation is a great nation, God has a plan for Israel. God has a plan for you. God loves you enough that He's going to keep on after you. He's like your nagging mama that won't leave you alone. He won't give up on you. He keeps on keeping on because He has an unconditional love and He looks at you and He doesn't want you to waste your life. He doesn't want you to live your life unfulfilled. He wants you to live your life with the reason that you were created for. God, you have a purpose. God has the blueprints. The third thing I want you to see in this passage of Scripture is that God has only one intention, to bless you and to bless His children. You can only bless when there is no competing vision, when there is no competition, when the competition has subsided. After 70 years, Israel said, you know what? I believe we're ready to listen. And God brought them out just like he said he would. Returned them there and they began to rebuild Jerusalem. That's why Nehemiah and Ezra is in the Bible. Wow. Interesting. The restoration. The restoration. Proverbs 16.3 is an interesting verse. It carries so much weight. Commit your activities, your ways, to the Lord. And your plans will be achieved. He will give you the desire of your heart. And your desire is His desire. We look at it and say, no, God really doesn't know what he's doing. God really doesn't understand. A man with a vision sees a wasteland, but he sees the potential like Walt Disney. You do realize that in the 1950s, Orlando was not Orlando. It was literally a swamp. And he went there and he created the city by putting something with a purpose and a plan. We look at the swamps, we look at the dumps, we look at the addictions of our past and we say, Pastor, well, if I could just live my life over again, if I could live my life over again, I would get, I would, I would get the blueprint from an early age and follow it. You do realize that after 18 years of ministry, I've never had somebody come back and say, I am so mad at you that you gave me the blueprint of my life through God and I'm miserable. 
but I can't tell you how many times I couldn't put them on my fingers or toes. The times people came to me and said, boy, I wish I'd have known this when I was younger. But here's what people say, it's just too late. I've been like this too long. Do you realize that very seldom when the man gets the vision, is it ready to build? We were in Peru not long ago, acquired that land, and it was literally off the side of a mountain just like this. And I'm like, I don't even understand how to build like this. I said, I just have to trust you guys that you know how. Now, there's almost 200 square meters of a flat place on the side of a mountain that's ready for a church. See, you can say, I don't understand it, so I'm not going to do it. Or you can say, I'm going to trust somebody who does. Now, here's what God says. I will take all your trash and redeem it. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked at that verse, I will restore unto you the years of locusts of Eden in Jeremiah, in the book of Joel. i tell you what puts it as a visual image for you. In Brazil, there was this artist, interesting guy. His name was Vic Muniz. He was featured in a documentary in 2010 because just outside Rio de Janeiro, just outside of Rio, that area, cool area, everybody goes there to go to Rio de Janeiro. But very few people very few people ever go to this particular dump, wasteland, just outside of Rio de Janeiro. Matter of fact, let me show you a picture of it. Just outside of Rio de Janeiro, this is what it looks like. All this garbage. And all the poor people just spend their days sifting through the dump, looking for something to eat, something of substance. And one day he saw that dump and he said, you know what, I have a vision for this. And one day as he saw him, he saw the people out there working and he took a picture, a, a photo of this lady that was working. And he began to look at that photo. And he took that photo and he went and he sketched out the outer image on a basketball court of this lady who he took the picture of in the dump. He sketched it out, <clears throat> and then he went and gathered up all the trash from the dump, and he began to place it in the image that he laid out. He began to lay it out, and as he began to lay out those images, it began to come forth and be vibrant. And as you look at that image, and you see the colors popping off of the image, as you see that artwork, it's not Sherwin-Williams paint. It's not the paint of an artist, but it's actual garbage. He took garbage and he laid it out on the basketball court to reflect the photo of the woman. So the very thing that the woman was surrounded by began to be the very image that everybody wanted to see. The garbage that they were surrounded by began to be the garbage that would propel him into, into prosperity, into victory, would raise the awareness of this area all around. And so what I want you to know today, my brothers and sisters, is this. 
that God's not going to take pick you up and say, okay, I'm going to act like this garbage never happened. I'm going to act like this addiction never happened. But what he will do is he will take the brokenness. He will take the garbage. He will take the, the addictions, the strongholds. He will take all of that in your life and become the great recycler like Vic and place it so that it brings forth glory. Wow, what a Savior. And so the very thing that you disdain can become the very thing that folks long to see. The wound that you resent, the scar that you resent will become the very thing that brings the victory. Today with your head bowed. As we bow our heads here, we seek the Lord. Are you fulfilling the purpose that God has for your plan? Are you fulfilling your purpose? If you're not, God has the blueprints. Maybe you're there watching from home. Find somebody that can help you get the plans, the blueprints that will fulfill your purpose.